some extent, you know, he's summing up by talking about the blessings that we have in Christ. And so why don't we read 5, 13 to 17. believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him, and ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. Okay, so think about the um, concerns of First John, particularly in connection with the false teachers who were trying to shake the brethren's confidence that they really had what they needed, that they knew what they should. And John says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the, of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So they could have confidence, assurance, conviction that they have life. And you remember the three basic tests of life in 1 John. That you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That you uh, walk as he walked or you obey the commandments. He expresses that several different ways. Walk in the light. And that you love one another. And so based upon those criteria, uh, we can have assurance of having eternal life. Now, it's interesting that he said that in verse 13. Do you remember what first, or remember what the gospel of John's purpose was? You might believe. And that believing might have life in his name. Here, the purpose is so that you might, who, who believe in the name of the Son of God, uh, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So it's very similar um, Basically, the Gospel of John is to evangelize so they would believe and have eternal life, and First John to reassure believers that they would know that they do have eternal life. So I think that's very interesting, the, the uh, similarity there. And, and, and so he wants to give them assurance. He wants them to have confidence. If they have confidence that they're doing right, uh, then they're not going to be so vulnerable to the false teachers. Now, one of the things that this confidence will lead us to is to know that he listens to us when we pray to him. That's a very encouraging blessing, that we can come before God with confidence, with boldness, and uh, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Um, maybe some people are kind of bummed out by the fact that it's uh, according to his will. You know, if it's not according to his will, then he won't. But really, isn't that a gracious limitation? Would you want him to be to do anything we wanted, even if it wasn't according to his will? And, and what is the real point of prayer? You know, through prayer, we are making ourselves instruments of God's will. We want to ask what his will is. You know, that's what we want to, to request. Uh, prayer is not some way of getting God, talking him into doing what we want him to. Although he never would have if we hadn't really, you know, talked him into it. It is rather for us to ask for God's will to be done 
You know, that's really that's really what we want. That's what our goal is. That that's what we're seeking. So this is not a bummer. This is the exactly what we want. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we ask from Him. We have confidence that that He hears us and that He grants our requests. You know, there are people who abuse passages like this to teach like the health and wealth gospels, that God wants all believers to be healthy, happy, and prosperous, which either leads people to thinking that greed and materialism are virtues, or leads them to feel guilty and remorseful because they must not have enough faith. God isn't making them filthy rich. Neither of those is what he's saying. The point of praying is to seek for God's will to be done, to pray what God would want uh, and, and to ask for him to accomplish the things that he's promised. Now, one of the things that God wants and we want both, and one of the prime focuses of prayer, should be the spiritual well-being of other people, right? As our brethren, we, we pray for them, that God would bless the spiritual. And so if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, now what's the first thing we do? Pray, right? Ought to be the first thing we do. And uh, does God want the brother to repent and be saved? So if we pray for the brother to repent and be saved, God, if it's according to his will, he'll do it, right? Well, actually, there's a limitation right here. Here's one case in which God won't automatically do it, even though it's his will. And this is the, I think this is giving kind of the exception. And the exception is because... Our prayer can't take the place of the brother's repentance. And, 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 and he, our praying for somebody won't cancel out free will. It won't force him to accept forgiveness, even if he doesn't want it. So, it, if we pray and intercede on behalf of another brother, whether or not God gives that request or not depends on whether or not the sin leads to death or not. Um, you know... If, if, if he doesn't repent of the sin, if he doesn't turn away from it, if he keeps, continues in it, then that sin will lead him to death. And not even our prayer, even though God would want the same thing, will accomplish his repentance. Because God did give every man a free will. And so God's not going to override that, even for his will to be done and our prayer to be answered. There is one limitation. Otherwise, I think it's pretty well unlimited. That whatever we pray that's God's will, that we can we can be confident that he hears us and he will grant those requests. But here's an area that is God's will for sure, but he won't necessarily grant them because they do depend on a man's free will. Uh, that's an often, you know, questioned passage. Um, and he's really not saying don't pray for them, he's just saying you don't need to, or it's not going to change anything. So he's not, he's saying you're not obligated to pray in that case. No, it won't be wrong if you pray. What do you think? Comments or questions through verse uh, 17. So is the difference in the sin that leads to death and the sin that doesn't lead to death, the sin that does lead to death is one that he's not repenting of, but the sin that he doesn't lead to death is one he's not repenting of? Is that yeah. the only difference? But basically, I mean, the difference is one of them kills you and the other one doesn't. <laughs> and why would it kill you? Because you haven't repented. Okay, yes. Yeah. So this doesn't have anything to do with, like, 
certain kinds of sins. Like, you know, I can pray about stealing, but I shouldn't pray about lying. Right. Because, you know, one of them leads to death, and the other one doesn't. That's right. Um, it, it could be any sin that a person yes. persisted in and wouldn't come turn back to God. Okay, yes, yes. And that makes a lot of sense in the context of the book. I'm thinking about, like, walking in the light. Like, if you take a step out, that doesn't mean that, like, you're going to death. It just means, okay, well, I slipped, but I'm still going toward the light. I'm still focusing on the Lord, etc. This is the person who, well, he's just, like, off, headed toward death, and your prayer is not going to save him if he persists in... It's not going to force him to come back to the right way, way if he right. doesn't want to. Right. What about the case... Where and maybe this is already kind of covered, but would it be right to say you've got the person whose heart is for God and he is trying to do the right thing? Maybe he messes up or whatever. You pray for him. Maybe he never learns that he did that thing wrong or you know whatever. But the Lord is still saving him because he's in Christ. He's following God, and your prayer for him also is helpful in that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not given some sort of a special formula right. as to exactly what God will do in any case, but we do have a passage like Psalm 19, where he says in verse 13, um, and keep back, uh, no, for 12, Psalm 19, 12, who can discern his errors, acquit me of hidden faults. So David at least prayed for God to forgive him of his hidden faults. Now, I don't know, I mean, exactly how far that goes and you know ignorance is not exactly bliss and so forth I, I don't know about all that um, God is the judge and he will do it right yeah okay but I'm even seeing like I can pray for my brother in you know a case like that well I know he is seeking the Lord but maybe he messes up sometimes sure sure and again we're not ordered not to pray so you know, maybe the person really actually is going to persist in their sin and lead to death, but it's not wrong for us to pray for them. He's just saying that's a case where God isn't going to do what our prayer asks. And that's you wouldn't of, necessarily know that. That's exactly right. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. But isn't he saying don't pray for the sin leading to death? No, he's saying you're not obligated to. Yeah, he's saying I'm not telling you to. Right. There's a difference between I'm not telling you to and I'm telling you not to. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I would... I guess I was looking at that and thinking there's a sin leading to death. I do not say that you should make requests for this, meaning you shouldn't ask God to uh, make an exception for that. No, God. meaning he's not saying you have to pray for yeah, that. That would be more like... It would be, I say you should not, instead of, I do not, not say that you should. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, wow, you two have got, both got that pretty good. I'm not sure I could have I still think the whole thing is confusing. It is. It is? Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, trying to explain it or tr- talk through it, it's just very difficult. Because if it's God's will, isn't he going to do it? Uh, isn't God going to do it or the man going to do it? God. Whether uh, or not we ask. Well, <laughs> actually, okay, I see what you're saying in prayer. <sighs> well, that, that's the that's the most confusing part about this because sometimes it appears what we're saying sometimes is that we need to pray for God's will to be done because that's what God's doing anyway. <laughs> 
So, then, and so if we pray for that, then he's going to answer the prayer because that's what he's going to do. That's like saying, I'm going to go eat dinner later, so why don't you tell me to go eat dinner later, and what you tell me will come true. <laughs> because that's what I was going to do anyway. Yeah. Well, that's not, Am I the only one that ever thought that? Is God going to do it if it is his will? And the guy, and in this situation, if the guy is going to repent, <laughs> God is or not, it's not dependent on me praying. Yeah, is it depending? Is is that? Because that takes away. Yeah, I was wondering, it's like the other way. Is my prayer helping in that case for somebody who's like fallen away? Well, and and maybe. If the sin is leading to death, what if we pray for the guy to get out of that sin? Is that not helpful? Which, if he does, then it's not a sin leading to death. Does it make? I mean, does that make sense? And it doesn't make sense. If you think about that same concept, though, make it wider. We're not. We're fighting for God, not because our fight helps Him at all win. He's going to win anyways. But it shows which side of it we're on. Are we on the side that's praying? We're wanting God's will to be done. Or are we on the side that I don't care what God does, God's going to do it anyways. But so, like, in our fight for God, we're not helping that out at all. Like, in prayer, we're not really helping him get his stuff done. However, we're, we're showing that we want God's will to be done. Does that make sense? No. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with that concept, but that doesn't answer the thing of, answer the question of does God answer our prayer? Because that would only say, okay, I'm praying God is just and righteous, so then I'm going to pray God be just and righteous. Oh, well, he answered my prayer because that's his will. Well, duh, he's already that. <laughs> so that's like saying, that, that's kind of the way I would take that. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm on his side then. But I'm praying for my brother who is committing a sin and I want him to change. I want him to be saved. Now is God going to change is he going to change and be saved with or without my prayer? Alright. So we have different <laughs> okay. concept of prayer and God's will. I do not think that it's proper for us to say that whether I pray, whether I don't pray, the same thing will happen. That it really, you know, doesn't really change anything. Um, I don't think God will answer our prayer if it's against his will. But I think our praying um, makes a difference in what God does. In other words... There might be things that were God's will that were I not to pray them, no, he wouldn't do them. They're, they're within his will, but he acts in response to my prayer. The fact that James said the effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. And he cited Elijah praying that it wouldn't rain. Now, was that God's will? Yes, it was. Would God have given that punishment had Elijah not prayed? I think the illustration is saying, no, he wouldn't. Now, you know... How that all works, obviously, it's kind of like a lot of things with God. We're a little bit in over our head. I don't even understand how God answers prayers, period. You know, I mean, some of that is beyond our ability to comprehend, but I think the Bible is is indicating that prayer makes a difference, that God does respond to it, but I don't think it means he, 
I can twist his arm and talk, it, talk him into something that he thinks, no, that's not good, that's not right. But, oh, come on, God, go ahead, and he'll do it. Maybe it'd be like a parent, you know, that I might respond to my child's request and do something that's within my will, but I wouldn't have done it if he hadn't asked. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I don't disagree with with uh, any of that. I don't, I mean, hey, wow. It's just... Trying to explain that concept, and the, what you just said didn't seem to be exactly what you said about this passage. Is that fair? I mean, that it didn't sound like you were saying exactly the same thing. You probably meant the same thing, but... but I'm really answering two different questions, I think. You know, I didn't say exactly the same thing, but I think it fit with what I said. You know, I, I'm saying that in, in this passage in 14 and 15, that God will answer and, and, and grant our request if they're according to his will. But, but we wouldn't want him to do it if it wasn't according to his will. I'm not saying by that that he will do it anyway regardless of whether we, not we ask. Uh, and so, I think that when we come to the man who's sinning unto death, that, okay, let's say God is, he's fine with, um, you know, something that I ask for. That's within his will, and he grants that. Well, it's actually within God's will for the sinner to repent. And that's what he wants. But he has limited his own will in that. In that there's kind of a protected area of the man's free will, and he won't violate that. So this is a limitation where I can ask for something that normally, since it's within God's will, he would do it. He won't do it in this situation because he's giving the, given the man free will and he will not violate that. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if I said the same thing or if that clarified it. It seems clear to me, but I'm the one who said it. Does that, do you understand what I'm saying, Mindy? You might be able I'm, to say it in a different way. You're pretty good at it. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I think I understand it. It's almost like, why are you... You could look at it another way. Why are you asking God um, to do such and such a thing? He already knows the future. He already knows what I, he's going to do. Why is my prayer going to affect anything at all? Um, but yet he tells us to ask. And so maybe it was his will that you were going to pray for that thing, and it was going to cause him to choose to do X. Um, I don't know that, maybe we don't always know how it's all. We certainly don't know how God answers prayers. I do think even this passage is saying that, that he hears us, and that he, he, uh, he you know, grants the request. I mean, I think this is saying, here's one of the blessings we have, that God will hear our prayers and answer them. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think we ought to say that this is just a fatalistic thing. God is going to do it anyway, but if I happen to hit on it, then I'll have prayed for it. You know, that doesn't seem to me at all what he's saying. But I do think, don't we have paradoxes in the Bible where, you know, we have complementary truths that we're not sure how to fit together? I mean, is Jesus man? Is Jesus God? Yes, yes. But how does that work? I mean, if he's man, then he's not God. And if he's God, he's not man. He was both, but he can't be both, but he was both. You know, I mean, so, I mean, is, does man have free will or is God sovereign? 
yes, yes. But it, 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 is, it, is it, you know, to, it, to us it's one or the other. So do, does, does God do his will or does my prayer influence God? Yes. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think both of those are true. Trying to understand exactly how they fit together, I'm not sure. Uh, but I don't want to let go of either one of those. Uh, and so I do believe my prayers influence God. I think he answers them. And I think it, it fails much. So, I mean, I'm assuming things change because I pray. So that's the best I can do. I can <laughs> find what, are, what are you wanting, Dad? You don't look uh, satisfied. I, I mean, I don't. Mis- I don't disagree. It's just hard. I just don't know how to explain it to somebody. How do you? Because, like you just said, it doesn't make sense to say pray for anything as long as it's God's will, and He'll answer it. Because the counter to that is, well, it's already God's will. Why do I need to pray for it? But we're assuming that God's going to do everything that's within His will, even if we don't ask. How do we? Right. That's right. That's that that, made the most sense. That's like that's like saying, suppose Tasha wants to go somewhere. Well, you know, she wants to go spend the night at a friend's house. Well, I wouldn't ever tell her. She could go do that if she didn't ask, can I go do that? So I'm fine with her doing that, but if she doesn't ask me that she wants to tell me she wants to You do don't that. even know that I want to do that. And then yeah, Is that sort of the same yeah. thing? Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. like, sure, that's fine, but if she hadn't have asked, it would not have happened. Is that sort of what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Sure. But if you didn't want her to go, I would have turned it down because it wasn't according to your will. Yeah. So I think the, I think the thing is I don't think something being according to God's will automatically means it's going to happen. I think it means it's within his will. It's like, as long as he's okay with it. Right. <laughs> Maybe one of the problems, too, is we're looking at two different influences on the same person. I was just going to say, where's this person in this? You know, right. Sort of They've thing. obviously got a will right. and are deciding in this. Exactly. So the other argument could be, well, I prayed for them to get out of this, that it wouldn't lead to their death, but they followed it in any way. Now... You know what? What happened at that point? Was it not? Was it not God's will? Was you know what was the? They had free will. I mean, I think that's what this match is saying. The brother who sins unto death, my prayer won't change anything. God's will won't change anything. If he's determined to die, he'll kill that's himself. That's where free will comes. That's exactly right. right. But that's but that's like deciding that he's already at that point. See that that's the question. I mean. <laughs> First of all, how do you know that? At what point do you know that a brother has sinned unto death? Well, I guess when they die in sin, I don't know. That's that's my point. I don't know how else you would know that. So as long as they're alive, is it okay to pray for them not to be in that situation? I think it's always okay to pray for them. But if the sin is leading to death, God won't respond to that prayer. But it's still okay to pray for them. God does does know whether it's going to end in death or not, even if we don't. But he's not. You've already said he's not saying don't. That's correct. Exactly. He's saying it won't do any good. But he's not saying don't pray for them. And I agree. So I don't know how to know. More than all doubt is it makes sense when you say it. God will do things that he wouldn't necessarily have done if we pray for them, as long as it's his will. Until you start giving an example, and then it becomes difficult because the example always includes some other you know <laughs> will or aspect or person or something that 
like this case. You say, okay, we'll pray for the man that's committing a sin that it that is not leading to death. But we don't know that until he dies. On the other hand, how would you ever know that your prayer wasn't effective? You know, you could say anything. Oh, that was just coincidence. Oh, that was just... You know, the person just did whatever. Well, maybe not. Maybe it would have been ten times worse if I hadn't prayed about it. Yeah, well, <laughs> that could be. But but the other thing would be to say, I prayed for the brother committing a sin, and then he went <laughs> off the deep end and left the Lord. So then do we go back and say, oh, well, he had already committed, he was already committing a sin leading to death. I don't think we have to answer those questions. I know, but... So why, I mean, that, it's but that's what I'm saying. There's no but example. I'm saying why are, I don't think we need to even go there because that's not up to us. That's up to God. Well, I, I would go back to uh, James 5.16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. The effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. So, you know, it does make a difference. And Yeah, I think there's got to be something there, but that's what I'm trying to apply it to this and I'm having difficulty <laughs> well I think it's just saying that you know even when we pray that won't make somebody repent if they're determined not to if somebody's determined to sin unto death not even God's will and man's prayer will change it so I guess maybe in hindsight you could say oh he must have been sinning unto death that's, mm -hmm. that's my point mm -hmm. yeah yeah boy. But so what's wrong with saying that? No. It's almost a. Uh, I mean, that goes back to well, it was God's will, so you know, it had no effect anyway. It was already done. It was already. Are you saying you feel like your prayer now isn't helping in that case? Well, I think that explanation would almost go back to saying, well, if it's God's will, he's going to do it anyway. So that's what we would be saying with this. It was already done. It was already, you know, there's no choice. Yeah, in some cases, maybe that is how it is. Well, could it ever be that? Does your prayer help that? Yeah. Yeah, because yep. yeah, I was kind of I was kind of wondering that can is your prayer could your prayer help a brother whose sin is leading to death not decide to sin leading to death? Well, I mean, I think that's not the definition here. When we talk about the sin not to death, the leading is an italics. That's really supplied. You've got a sin not to death. You've got a sin to death. So, so the definition is the sin to death is the sin that kills you. The sin not to death is the sin that doesn't. So by definition, we're talking about a sin that you end up dying spiritually because of that sin, or that you don't. So if this is a sin where the person dies spiritually in the sin, and they, they are determined to sin, now, what would be a sin like that? What would be a sin a person wouldn't turn back from? Because if they'll repent and turn back to God, will God not forgive them and they won't die? So the sin to death is a sin that man persists in and refuses to repent of. And in that case, you know, um, my prayers are they're not going to change it. They, they, and, and didn't. But, but I could say, but God, you said that if it was according to your will, you'd hear and you'd grant my requests. And I know it's your will that this person be saved. And I prayed. And yet they sinned unto death. And God's saying, yes, this is an exception. 
here's a case where, yes, my will is their salvation. But no, they're not saved in this case, even though you prayed for it. Even and it was my will. Why? Because they've got free will that's a limiting factor. You know, so God won't make a person be saved if they don't want to, even though it's his will and even though I'm praying. It seems clear to me. <laughs> Alright, so how about uh, the summary of the letter? Three things that we know from 18 to 21. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who is born of God keeps him, and the evil, uh, an evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the, pow- lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and, and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Alright, so, there are things we know. And uh, John likes that phrase. Uh, he likes us to have confidence in a time period when the false teachers were trying to diminish that confidence. And so what does he know? Well, he knows that sin and the child of God don't go together. (laughs) You know, we know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. So sin is not compatible with somebody born into a new life in Christ. The family characteristic is righteousness, not sin. Uh, so that there, that doesn't fit. You know, the one who's really a child of God doesn't sin, uh, and and uh, God protects him. Um, you know, if, if 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 your relationship with God and your withstanding temptation was all a matter of just what you managed to do yourself, it would be pretty uh, terrifying. But he's giving assurance that God keeps him, that the evil one doesn't touch him. You know, it's not that we are able to cling so tightly to God, but God is able to cling so tightly to us. So, you know, this is giving hope and security even when I recognize my weakness to realize that God is willing to keep me. Now again, this is not... Like, if I am determined to walk away from God, he's going to, you know, grab me by the nap of the neck and not let me go. But if I'm really seeking him, he is able to keep me, he's able to keep the evil one from touching me and keep me from a life of sin. That's the first thing we know. Uh, We know that uh, sin and the child of God don't fit together. Second thing we know in verse 19, we know that we're of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So we know that everybody either is one of us or is in the world. You know, he really doesn't beat around the bush, as is always the case. There is no third category. (laughs) You know, either we're of God or we're of the evil one. Um, We would like to kind of be in the middle, but there is no middle. Um, And then the third thing we know, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, and in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. So we know that the Son gives understanding and that the Son is the true God. And really the primary conflict with the false teachers was their view of Jesus. 
And so, you know, it's so important that, you know, we know that the Son of God has come and, and we've got the understanding of who he is. Um, and, and really, here at the end of the letter, he gives the almost most conclusive statement of Jesus' divinity. We, we know we are in him who is true and in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. That's Jesus. He is the true God and eternal life. You know, and, and that's what the false teachers were denying. They were saying that Jesus was not that. He was just a man and that the Christ left him. And then, for the seventh time, he calls his readers little children. And of all things, in the very last phrase of the book, tacks on something he hasn't said a word about uh, until now. You know, <laughs> he always says something and then jars us with a, a leaping an octave. You know, little children, guard yourself from idols. Wow. That's weird. Uh, we haven't talked about idols at all. Not even hinted at idols. Or have we? I think he's talking about the false teacher's wrong concepts about God. You know, so we must decide which God we worship. The God revealed in Jesus or the God we've dreamed up. You know, keep yourself from idols. Keep it yourself from human concepts of who God and His Son are. Well, because you just finished saying He's given us understanding so we may know Him who is true yes. as opposed to the false God that they've made up. Exactly. Alright, thoughts and comments on this and on First John. Alright, well, Second John is a uh, little bit of a challenging book, especially at the beginning. 